Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, episode 16, alongside Hunter Pulaski. I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In today's episode, Hunter is in a terrible mood, so that's fun. PJ Maybank wins again. The Rocket Mortgage was a smashing success for everyone but us. Early bets for next week's Open Championship and full preview and picks for the John Deere Classic. Let's go. Perfect. <laughs> so don't move. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get this so What last. happened around there this morning, huh? So I'm not sure. Since the pandemic started, businesses have been struggling to obviously been getting employees, staying open, regular business hours, having to, having to shut down an extra day a week or something, something like that. Starbucks, I cannot tell you, they are frustrating me beyond belief. I went there this morning because I usually, I usually go to a place downtown. This place will be brought back up in a second. So I won't mention them because I really, I really do like them. But, you know, I go, I'm going to go to Starbucks this morning because I need that, that Trenta, like that really big 30 ounce, whatever it is, 30 ounce iced coffee they have because I, I knew it was going to be a hell of a day going into I don't it. think it's called a tr- it, did you just it, did you you know, repeat that word? So there's a vente. There's a vente, which would be the only thing that's on the, the largest one that shows up on the menu. But then there is a bigger one called the oh, Trenta. Oh, that's like a secret order? Yeah, called the Trenta. Come on. <laughs> so it's bigger than the vente. And I knew I, I was like, I need this coffee today. It was like, we got to get record. I got a meetings uh, later, this, later this morning. I get there. They're closed. I go, come. Uh, it's like 7.45, but this has been happening, but I actually checked Google beforehand to make sure that they were open because they actually are pretty good about up- updating their business hours. So not open. So I drive back into town from from Starbucks, right past where I just was, and go to the place I usually go to, and I got charged $12 for a coffee and a muffin. And in most cases, but I was already tilted, Peter. At this point, I was already like... A, Getting, getting like upset. So I did say something. I think in most cases I would totally just let this slide. I could, I could get charged like $30 for coffee. I'm probably not the person that's going to say much, but in this instance, because of the situation, I was already pretty irritated. So I get charged $12 for this coffee and muffin. And I go, I was like, I think that might've been too much. So she goes back and refunds me. I don't think she actually refunded me. But I wouldn't say I didn't say anything about that. So that 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 happened, and in keeping in mind, it's raining outside. It's Men's Day, so that really probably was really what started all of this from the very very beginning of the day. Um, and now I'm now I'm sitting in the WMKT studio, and it must be <laughs> 20 degrees in here. It couldn't be. It won't be. It's not a degree warmer. It refu- I can't tell you how cold it is in the studio. I am freezing. <laughs> And I have a headset that has one ear that works. <laughs> I, Don't I, tell anybody that, Hunter. Yeah. You keep that within these four walls. I, uh, I did notice you look. You look quite bundled. You look quite bundled. I'm. I, is your I'm very. At least is your coffee hot? At least. No, I want. I, I want iced coffee. I can't. <laughs> you know, it, I want iced coffee. Um, <laughs> It's summertime. It's 60 degrees. I wasn't going to go hot coffee. And that's actually funny. You said that the, the lady 
at this place downtown knows my order. So she actually like had her hand on the iced coffee when I walked in, but then she asked if I wanted it because it was cold out, and I go, "Well, yeah, I want it." But maybe I should maybe I should have reconsidered that. But, well, your day can only get better from here, Hunter. That's I think what you have to take away here. That's is you've made it. You know, you made a double, maybe even a triple on the first hole here to start off your Wednesday. So we just need to set our sights on a new 17 hole score here for the rest of the rest of the day and see if we can't get you back to even level par, maybe even red numbers. We're going to try. We're going to try like hell. It won't it's not gonna take, I mean, it's not going to take much to, to play or keep us now. You know, it's not going to take much to play better. It's like, we just gonna have some speaking of your day getting better. You guys are going to have some tough conditions out there at the Petoskey Bayview country club this afternoon for men's day, huh? Yeah, I just uh, I just told the boys I was looking at uh, <clears throat> I use Dark Sky for all my weather app, and they have like a where it has like a low, a light, medium, high for the rain. Um, and I, I told them I was like, as long as it stays below that that first dotted line, which was the light rain, I think I'll be there. Why not? We have we have the PEF tournament tomorrow as well, which is always a good way to ruin your swing. The what tournament? That scramble of the Tosca Education Foundation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. For some reason, scrambles bring out the worst in sure all do. of us. I really don't know why that is. All right. Well, uh, where would you like to start now that you've gotten all that out of your system? Do you want to talk about the the weekend that was first in terms of the golf that we played? I know we we're going to want to talk about the racket, even though. Being up against the 4th of July and America's birthday is a difficult scheduling obstacle to be able to overcome. So I don't know how many people actually watched a whole lot of the rocket, but I imagine you played a fair amount of golf. Yeah, I played um, well, I played Saturday and Sunday uh, this weekend, and I played absolutely miserably. Really, from the from the get go, uh, it was just one of those. It was just a weird. Um, Hunter is just you are in a really good mood today, huh? Yeah, no, I'm actually not in a good mood at all, Peter. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, I because uh, I think it's been uh, this is episode 16, so I think it's been. I've actually been striking the ball pretty well for the beginning parts of the year, and it's always just well, been. That was you playing well. I, I thought that I was, if I could strike the ball well and then just missed all these, if I made a few of those putts, that's the difference between a okay. 71 so and a 76. Your, that's gotten into your long game. And now it's, it used to just be the word I always thought that I was just struggling with putting and I could, I was still hitting a lot of greens and hitting fairways, but now I, um, I'm not hitting greens, not really hitting fairways. So my, what was like a 75 was kind of, if I wasn't making those putts, 75, 76 is turning into a 81, 82. Um, which is, it's like, the, it's the middle of July. I can't tell you how perfect the conditions were on Saturday and Sunday either, Peter. I mean, you were up here. It was absolutely pristine. There was very yeah. little wind. It was sunny. It was like 75 degrees both mornings that I played. The greens were absolutely pristine condition. <laughs> and I just felt helpless at yeah. times. I, I, we, I sent you the, I sent you the scorecard of the, I shot a 43 on the front nine on Sunday. Yeah, but you also teed off at like seven in the morning. You're asking a lot of your body. Well, I was up. I mean, I'm up. I'm you up asked me five. if I wanted to play, and I was like, no, no, absolutely not. 
how am I supposed to warm up for two hours if we're teeing off at 7.40? I'm up at 5, 5.30 every morning these days. I, I don't know what it is. I wake up at my mental clock. And that's not, that's not a t- uh, topic for this t- podcast, but my mental clock Go has me waking up between 5.30 and 5.35 for the last three weeks straight. It is one of the... Well, only, well that might be what's wrong with your golf game. No. no You're I, up before your child. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 5.30. to 5.35. And I might fall back to sleep, but more times not, I'm up. It, it's like, I, the first thing I do is look at my phone because it's on like such a weird little stretch right now that I have to, I'm like keeping track of it now. So I was up. I was right. I, mean, there was, I, I, don't, I don't use morning as an excuse because okay, I was fine. the first I one. I was the first one on the greens. I thought I was helping you out there. I don't want but. the help. I don't want the help. I don't want it. Yeah, no, you want to be, do you want to just be miserable today? Should I just let it, let it be? I'm going to bask in the misery. I can see that the weather is not great in the no. window behind you, but no, at least you figured out how to shut the blinds. They were already shut when I got here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not shut. It is, it is just, if you look at the radar up here too, it's just a nasty, nasty cell. It's like, and it just won't leave. It's not like, it's nothing short either. It's like, it's probably over minnesota still like the farthest the farthest west parts well you're you're not alone i mean i shot an 18 hole score that started with an eight over the weekend at the the, at birchwood yeah and that was after i shot 37 on the front and in fact all i can tell you is that the 18 hole score starts with an eight because to be honest i think only my father-in-law really knows what I shot because he kept score. And if he asked me if I wanted to know what I shot, I just ignored him because I made three doubles on the farms. Three doubles in the first, that was in the first five holes we played on the farms. I mean, just putrid golf, really. The only thing that kept me from breaking every club in my bag or dumping my clubs in a pond or just leaving the property was that I was playing with my father-in-law. This round was had nothing to do with me and, and another friend, so I just had to stay there and suck it up, and keep snipe hooking shots into people's yards, which are set hundreds of yards off the golf course. I mean, it's wide open. You didn't, uh, you didn't hit a house on, that would be like four of, four of the farms that first, the one after the par five. I hit it. I hit it out of bounds there. Left. Oh. There's actually a clump of trees between a couple of houses over there. That's where my ball went. So I was grateful for that little patch of woods because it kept my ball from getting close to somebody's deck. I don't think I could have gotten it all the way over to the house because I can't hit it that far. But it was low, hard, left, and hooking and not findable on possibly the widest hole, the most open hole in all of Northern Michigan. What hole is this? You're, you're talking about the one before the really hard par, par four, number five. E, There's a yeah. part the, right, 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 right after the par four. You go straight downhill into a valley and yep. then straight uphill on the second shot into a, a green that slopes back to front. Yep, hard to miss that fairway. Yeah, no, I didn't just miss the fairway. I missed the rough. I missed the bunker, the fairway bunker to the left. I missed everything. So anyway, but the night before, Birchwood, just before we move on, I played Woods Farms 
I know why you love it out there so much. I mean, the place is pure. The crew that they have out there and the superintendent, I don't know who he is or how long he's been there, but those are really nice greens. I know it's a private course. It gets a fair amount of play. There's three nines to keep track of. I know these golf courses are all struggling to, you know, to have enough staff. And the golf course is still pristine. The greens are still really pure and true. And, uh, and the, obviously that area sustained a lot of rain in the days before I arrived for the 4th of July holiday, <clears throat> as did we in Chicago because it flooded my basement. Um, but the course is just pure and all around. It's just like a great country club experience. They have good food there at the snack shack. It's a great pool area. Dorothy had a blast out there. And even though I'd rather play farms birches, those are my favorite two nines. I love the woods. I mean, it's fun to go back there and play a nine that's totally different from the other two. Even if you do have to drive 1.1 miles from the fourth green to the fifth tee or whatever that is. Um, well, quick shout out. That's actually, uh, you might know him. It's Tom. I don't know if it's Tom, it's, but it's Broger. It's Hannah and Hannah and Jennifer Broger's dad. They were pretty big athletes in Harbor, kind of near your age, actually, maybe a little bit older than you. One of one of them was married to Kyle Sanderson. The other one's married to Steve Foley. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So he's been out there for unless he recently retired. He's, he's, he's been out there. Yeah, he's been out there for years. Always, yeah, he always does a been. phenomenal job. Wouldn't you agree? Have you played there this year? Uh, I have not played it there this year. I'm hoping to get out there soon. But my the I think the thing people forget about with golf the most is how inconsistent the the game can be from from day to day from course to course and I really feel like Birchwood gives you the most the most honest possible effort at at making it as consistent as possible I really feel like I'm no matter where I even if I hit a bad approach shot my ball will be sitting in rough that is I mean well maintained uh, it's easy to play from so I, I yeah I, only thing that the greens get a little sticky so I like they look really good. But they've always felt like they're a little bit slower, but they but they are receptive. So it's like it's kind of a little bit of a give and take. You gonna might you might lose a couple of feet to to gain the ability to stop the ball. So, but no, I've always always said huge fan. And you know they always have to be careful out there with membership because those greens do have a lot of for an older course mm-hmm. that's country club style. It has like there's more undulation in those greens than at Bayview probably by a significant margin. I mean, I chipped it back and forth across one green on the farms because there's a a pretty substantial ridge running through the middle left portion of that green. And they like to put the pin on top of that in the back of the green. And if you hit it a little bit too hard going in that direction, front to back, it runs all the way off a false back into the rough. So I chipped and then chipped again and then two putted. That was my first double. And I was so close to the parking lot. I was just like, I could just turn around and walk and be behind the steering wheel in under 10 minutes and even get a hot dog on the way. Were you, uh, you, you were forced to be a good sport though for your father-in-law. I've, I've never had to been forced to play with like a family member in that situation where I have to like, feel like I can't just blow up. Oh, oh it's fine. I'm used it? to it. Yeah. He, he knows me well enough that. <laughs> Always, always capable. 
he knows that I'm trying really, really hard not to, you know, scream and yell and break a club. So, you know what I said to, I think he's more amused. I think he likes playing with me more when I play poorly. <laughs> it makes you, makes you well. human. What, what is he a makes, decent player? Not even human. Just like, he's like, well, it's fun to watch people who aren't, who aren't, who are a little bit better, you know, like you, I don't know. Is there a part of that in all of us? When you play with somebody who's a little bit better than you, do you mind watching them struggle? Uh, I think it depends how I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, and, yeah. and if, if they're playing well, I'd be, I'm fine playing. If they're, if I'm playing well and matching them, I'm fine with them playing well. If they're playing against the course and against. Well, he didn't play that well, so maybe that's part of it. <laughs> oh, well, always next time. Um. Can we talk about the hills for a second? And I know we're taking up a lot of time just talking about local golf, but it was Fourth of July weekend, and we all played. And we yeah. will talk about the racket here shortly. But I think the hills is just really an interesting course. I played there the night before I played Birchwood. We teed off at four thirty. I was expecting two things. I was expecting slow pace of play. This is July, what th- Friday night? Second. So that's the third second. Yeah, figured it was going to be packed. Um, that was one thing I was expecting. The other thing I was expecting was slow greens. Well, as it turns out, I got neither of those things. We played easily in three and a half hours, and I had to take a couple phone calls over the course of that time. And the greens ran nice. They were almost the same speed as the greens I played the following day at Birchwood. I mean, they were maybe six inches slower than that, but they were at least a foot faster than I was expecting. I can't figure out, like, I can't tell you. I think I really like the hills. Well, welcome, welcome to the side. I and mean, the hill is awesome. You I, like it. Oh, I love it. Love it. You do. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. What I do mean. you love about it? Um, <clears throat> so my, the, the biggest thing is that you're out in the middle of nowhere, which is like one of my biggest determinant like, factors of a golf course is, is the location. I really like that it is pretty much you're not much going on. While, while on property, I like that I can hit, uh, there's only, so there's, so yeah, there's 14, 14 holes that have fairways. I, I can hit 13 fairways out there pretty, pretty easily and, and not hit it ex- exceptionally well. Um, maybe the most generous course off the tee in all of Northern in all of the little Travers Bay area, the courses that we've played a hundred times, you know? Yeah. And that's like, and it almost it goes against because I feel like I feel like I'm I'm contradicting myself because I'm not necessarily a huge fan of resort style golf where it is really large fairways, big greens, keep keep things moving because I, I could because on the other side, guy. yeah, I really like tree lined old sky old style country clubs, but I think the hills just makes it work and it has those views, those ele- elevation changes that I'm a sucker for. And it has five par fives. And um, the only holes when I have to two putt to make a birdie, I'd like par fives. Need par fives. I made, had league last night, made two birdies, and I, uh, I guess I chipped, chipped on number six, but two putt at eight. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it, it was in really good shape. And I was reminded that. Like I took a buddy out there who had played some Boeing courses, but couldn't remember if he had played the Hills or not. And I thought, if you can't remember, you probably didn't play it. 
Yeah. So let's go play that one. And he really liked it for all the reasons that you mentioned. You, you're out there kind of by yourself. And then, of course, once you make the turn and you get, you know, you got that uphill par five, 11, or uh, is it 11? 11 yep. is a crazy hole. And then you're up in that corner of the property there playing again up the hill on 12 and then getting in that incredible view from the top of 13 after the long drive to the tee box. Like, it's it's resort style but it's better than that you know they just did a really nice job of cutting out some of those holes and finding like varying terrain and you're just playing golf holes that you just don't visually you just don't see anywhere else in the area i was going to ask you can you compare that to do you think it's comparable to true north uh is there any comps up there for the hills or is it in a, in a category of its own? I know we don't have that many Parkland style golf courses to begin with. No, and maybe the, Bay Harbor are the better comps for the hills. I, like the preserve maybe. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning. The only thing I'm thinking about is like the waste bunkers and stuff. Isn't, isn't that something that like Augaming has? I've never played Augaming, but I feel like Sundance or one of okay, them. Sundance is really, that's a really interesting point. Sundance is not dissimilar. You're right from the hills. It's not what the elevation changes are definitely there because you're up on that little perch between Torch and Lake Michigan, but they're maybe not quite as severe as some of those ski hill views that you get out at the at the hills. But that's a good point. The sand, the big big everything, including big waste bunkers, is definitely a feature of Sundance. Yeah. No. I mean, I would I would think of. Just like shooting from the hip, I would I would say the hills is a top top four Boyne course for me. Top three, even maybe behind. Um, no, it would definitely be top three. Thinking about it, I mean, it wouldn't be. <clears throat> it'd be the the Links Gorge because I think I have to say Links Gorge. I'm not necessarily a diehard fan of it, but then the hills are the hills isn't too far behind, or the Alpine. The more even. Well, so I, the Heather is pretty far oh, down the list for you. Huh? Oh shoot, shoot, yes, no, no. The Heather would be one. Heather one. Uh, Link score to Hills three. Yeah. Final yeah. answer. But they're whatever they're doing out there, I would say they're doing a nice job. If you're thinking about going out there, the other thing is I think we I think it was pretty reasonable. I want to say we it was under 200 bucks for the two of us. I know it was a twilight rate, but I mean for 80 80 bucks with a card or whatever it was, I mean, pretty damn good. So speaking of Boyne and speaking of the Heather. Before I got out there and chopped it up, um, there was a golf tournament going on at the Heather that you were actually paid witness to. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, I uh, I was looking, uh, what was that? Uh, that was Thursday. Um, in the morning, I saw on Instagram, uh, my old swing coach, Brian O'Neill, Instagram something about PJ being whatever PJ Maybank being, I think he was four shots, five shots back going into the final round of the Coca-Cola uh, championship of Boyne Highlands, the AJGA event that happens every, every time about this, every year about this time. Uh, so I went out and watched. He, I watched starting on hole 13. Um, I'll just kind of give you a, a little, so I, I've only ever watched him play one other time in person. At, I think it was last year's AJGA event, actually, when they were over at the Moor. Uh, I got out there, uh, like I said, on hole 13, 
He uh, he, at this point he was two back, I believe. So he he parred thirteen, parred fourteen. Uh, he made a really good birdie on fifteen. Uh, made a par on sixteen, and at this point this made them all square. So it was him and two other guys that were in his group with him that were also uh, right around square with him. So on sixteen, oh, it was pretty exciting. It was very exciting. Uh, the kid that had the big lead going into it, the five shot lead. Uh, actually kind of just fell apart on Thursday and shot 77. So he fell back right about even with the with uh, PJ and uh, this kid, Justin Sue. So going into 16, PJ was one back of the two other kids. They both made bogey on 16. Uh, they go to 17. PJ makes a 40-footer for birdie to take the, the one-up lead on the, the two kids going into 18. That's a great birdie. On, it's 17 is a hard hole to birdie. It's a e- pretty easy hole to make par, but it's not an easy hole to make birdie on. No, he was actually, he was, uh, he was back right. The pin, the pin was back left. So it was a pretty big swooping, swooping. Oh, all the way across the green. Yeah. So There's was, so much slope back to front in that oh yeah. green. Oh, it's a ton. It's crazy. Uh, and then going into 18, uh, one of his playing competitors, Justin Sue, stuck it to, I mean, it looked darn near a foot and a half. So it tapped in for birdie. So they went to a playoff. They tied the first playoff hole with both made pars from roughly 25 to 30 feet. And then on the second playoff hole on 18, uh, PJ stuck it to probably about the same distance that Justin did in regulation, about a foot and a half. And uh, so he won in a two-hole playoff, uh, marking, I believe that is his first AJGA win. He is currently ranked uh, 250th in the world. In AJGA, 56th ranked player in the class of 2023, and he's the number one ranked player in the uh, in the state of Michigan in all classes. Now, it's a big, it's a big deal to win that tournament. Oh, I know he, he's won some other tournaments. He won Mr. Golf, obviously won the state championship, but it's a big deal to win the Coca Cola at point. Yeah, no, he uh, he played super consistent. The weather on Sunday, or I keep saying Sunday. Thursday, the final round was was not. I mean, it was it was very windy, and he played. He did exactly what he needed to do. Made uh, in the six holes. I guess it ended up being eight holes. I watched. He made five or six. I mean, not five or six. Three or four or five footers. Really important putts that were for par to to keep some momentum going. That um, he was he made with. Uh, what looked like pretty much ease. He had a really confident, easy stroke. So uh, he's got a lot more, a lot more coming up this summer. He's only, I'll talk about here in a second, but he's, we're just 20 days away from him defending his title at the junior state am. So keeps getting busier. I actually bumped into O'Neill when I was playing the Hills, which was fun. He oh, was did you? Cru- yeah. He was cruising by with a group. I think they're going to go over and play a couple on the Ross. And we were going to a 16T on the hills off of 15 green. So he told me that, because I asked him about it, it was great to catch up with him. We, we should get him on here sometime because oh, yeah. he's such a great teacher and 100%. knows so much about Michigan golf. Um, he told me that PJ hit a pitching wedge. In that, I think he, I think he was talking about the shot that went in tight in the playoff to win. I believe it over the pond. 
at 18, Heather, I can remember, I said, is he really that long? And he said it was mostly adrenaline. Like he was just fired up. So good for him to understand that and be able to club down. I can remember playing in a club championship match there. And I don't think we were hitting from as close to the water, but I remember telling my caddy, I was going to hit a six iron because I knew that if I told him I was going to hit the seven, he would put up a stink, but I knew that I could just mash the seven. This is like five years ago, probably six years ago. And PJ's hitting pitching wedge from almost the same spot. Did you notice from watching him that he's super long? Uh, he, yeah, he's long. He's long. Uh, he, and I, I believe it because actually in regulate in uh, the regulation and in the first playoff hole, he was a club long. So I bet I don't think I bet you he didn't. Okay. Hit a, I bet you didn't there hit a pitching go. wedge in the regulation or in the first playoff hole. But and it was actually it was a front right pin. So you if you were going to go for it, you had to. Put what your, a shot! You had to put your foot That's down the, and go for it. It's it's just you and water. Yeah. And how many times have you pulled it over to the left part of the green there? Well, front actually, right. Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah. So the first hole I started, the first hole I started watching was thirteen. That dog leg left after the par three. So I hadn't seen any swings yet. I'm standing by the green, waiting, waiting for him. To, and he's first one to go. He's, he hits it to 70 yards from the, from the brown tees. That, that hole is, it gets back there. And he cleared that he went over the corner. So I go, okay, he can, he, he can hit it a long ways. Got, we, got, we got that figured out. All the way over the trees, up high. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cleared him. Yeah, I try to rope hook it around that corner. I always think end up in the left trees. Oh, that's always what happens to me. I go, this is the time I'm really going to get a hold of one, and I always just overcook it <laughs> <laughs> every time. Uh, so right, just so we, we 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 got a lot to cover. So let's keep going. Uh, so yeah, yeah, run uh, through the rest of what we have for Michigan championships because you mentioned PJ defending the Junior Am, and then we got to talk about the Rocket. Yeah, we do. So uh, quickly, um, just something that's happening right now is the 43rd uh, Michigan Girls Junior State Am. Uh, two names that I have not mentioned at all in this podcast, which I sh- should have, are Annika and Ansi Dye. They are graduates of uh, Traverse City West. Um, absolutely like phenomenal high school golfers. Annika won Miss Golf three straight times. Uh, she wow. she is at Michigan now playing. Uh, Ansi, her younger sister, who is going to play at the University of Indianapolis, is playing in her final uh, junior state am. Girls Junior State Am. She is currently T10 after an even par. Uh, they're playing down at Michigan State, uh, Forest Acres East. So I will keep you guys updated on how ANSI does, and she will also be playing in the 2021 Tournament of Champions at Boyne Mountain with her sister, Annika. And uh, the week of the 20th, coming up here in two weeks, I will give you a full slew of names if you guys want to go watch. there are. I was looking at the list last night. There are a ton of names that, like Ben, ben Cook's going to be there, Tim Pierce. Uh, even more local guys that uh, are somewhat household names. And then uh, just some events that are happening in July that I think are worth mentioning. These are things that you guys can can go attend. Uh, I mean, this is some really, really good golf. Uh, the 11th the 11th GAM Women's Four Ball Championship, the 12th and 13th. The oh, This is all of July. The 31st GAM Net Team Championship on the 18th. The fifth GAM 14 under match play championship, uh, like I said, and that's the 20th and 21st, the 2021 tournament champions uh, at Boyne Mountain. That's going to be the 26th through the 28th. The 30th GAM women's championship, that is the 26th and 27th. 
the 43rd uh, Michigan Junior State Am is the 26th and 29th. And like I mentioned, PJ is defending that. So best luck to him. And then uh, the 7th GAM Super Senior Championship is the 28th and 29th. Uh, all this stuff is on GAM, GAM.org as well, just tournament schedule. But like I said, this is all, <clears throat> you, you can go watch this. Uh, I, I will, I told Tim I'd go watch at least a few holes of him play at the Tournament Champions here in a few weeks. Um, so and I'm, remind us where that one is. That's going to be at the uh, Boyne Mountains. So I believe they go Alpine Monument Alpine. There we got to have some merch ready by then, Hunter, so you can represent the brand. Yes. And yeah. just allow me to get Sally real quick. Follow us on Twitter because Hunter will, like, you know, tweet out updates on things like ANSI playing in the uh, girls' state am and, and stuff like that. So you, if, if you're not able, don't have time to follow online or whatever, just follow us on Twitter and we'll update you on the stuff that you want to know. Yeah. And if I if we get more followers, I'll feel more obligated to start tweeting stuff more often. So I'm really I'm really that works, I'm really I putting the ball in your guys' court. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of Michigan golf, we just finished off the Michigan's only PGA Tour event, and it went fabulously. I thought for being up against. Uh, 4th of July on a on a Sunday your final day of the tournament and fighting against a quickly building reputation that the golf course is defenseless based on the score in the first two years we got some of the best young players in the game threatening along with uh you know some seasoned vets and wound up with a five hole playoff with Cam Davis emerging victorious and the winning score being short of 20 under. So how did you, how did you feel about the event, how it went? Um, I know, you know, tough to watch. You're not going to sit down probably on a Sunday afternoon. We had it on in the background and everybody was following it, but it wasn't, you're all cooking and socializing and stuff. But I was just really enthused by the winning score. Yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, similar to you, I don't, we were we were on the boat on Sunday, so I didn't watch, but I actually watched. Uh, there was a replay on Monday night that I from starting kind of like full twelve on um, on Sunday that I was able to to watch a little bit of it. Um, also, very impressed with the score. I was really afraid when that rain came earlier in the week that we were going to have Me too. it was going to be an absolute just shootout. Like we were going to have big, low, 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 low numbers. But um, I was extremely impressed 18 unders i mean is is no we're gonna see there's a lot more tournaments this year they're gonna be a lot higher than 18 under so i I was i mean we'll see it i think we're gonna see it in four days i guess well tomorrow now and do we know exactly why this winning score was and from not watching it that closely i know we talked about last week they wanted the rough to be longer i did see like i saw davis thompson hit a shot out of the rough right on two i think on early in the day on sunday and i thought whoa that's a bird's nest i mean it's pretty hairy did that have a lot to do with it you think i don't i don't really know i didn't i didn't think that the rough i thought they could let this rough grow for three years straight and the course was just like it wouldn't really have made much of a just with with the soft conditions 
that they were still going to post. So I'm not sure if they just, they, if they found well, some, you know found some pin locations Donald. that. Yeah, exactly right. That, and that's how it is with Donald Ross. Yeah. And short shots into greens can be defended against by front pin positions mm-hmm. uh, on, on holes that, you know, on small greens that have a lot of, a lot of slope front to back and then vice versa in terms of putting it like they really stuck it, got it pretty far deep into the green on one. That's hole is so easy. There's no, there's nothing in the way except that tree on the left. You just have to get it past that on the corner and you've got a sand wedge into a green that has nothing around it, but they stuck it way in the back and you saw guys hitting it over the green there. Yeah. Even Cam Davis, I think hit it over the green on number one. So, and still went on to win the tournament. So pin positions, they may have learned something from the first two years that they that they put into play in, in that regard. But that that to me, that changes a lot. If the winning score is going to be in the high teens and not the mid-20s, and the golf course is going to uh, be a little bit more reasonable, I mean, 18 under for a par 72 of 7,300 yards, is about as high, meaning total score, uh, you can expect. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe next year they'll be bagging to the low twenties or whatever. But I'm hoping that the, maybe the golf tournament, because uh, you know Bryson has now won there. Cam Davis is going to be potentially a star. He's one of the better young Australian players coming up. He hits it a friggin' mile, and obviously Neiman being there, who's you know, already a budding star and a, and a PGA tour winner. That was a great, like things couldn't have gone much better for us as fans of the PGA tour in Michigan. No, no, I don't think so. And, uh, Cam Davis just looks like his arms. He's like, he's, he just looks like he could hit the ball so far. I mean, obviously he does hit the ball so far, but just it's like the, per, it's almost like the perfect, body for a golfer that wants to hit a very very he looks long like yeah he looks like a, looks like a thomas tennis. peters yeah yeah or a tennis player yeah yeah exactly um, like he's probably really good at tennis i believe it i absolutely believe it um, um we mentioned as we mentioned the name but uh poor neiman poor neiman how do you the third player in the history of the pga tour in a 72 hole event to not make a single bogey and to loot, but I guess he made one in the first playoff hole. So it took him 73 holes to make a bogey, but I guess that was the most costly one. I, and that is so incredible. How, how about you? He had so much control over, over his golf ball for 72 straight holes. And then uh, to not, to not feel like you got anything out of it has got to be, has got to be pretty crushing for him. One of the wilder statistics I think I've ever, I've ever seen such an incredible accomplishment to play 72 holes without making a bogey. It's so absurd to me to even conceive of that. I had to say it's only a third, only a third player. I can't believe it's been done twice before for however long we've been playing on this damn tour. I mean, that is crazy. And then to not emerge victorious, I hate to put you on the spot, but I imagine the first two guys that did that both won their tournaments. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I'll see if we can. Maybe, I'll, I'll see if I'll get it for you for corrections. The, if we have the energy left, we'll put some corrections in at the end. Um, congrats to Willie Mack, uh, the third made the cut. 
guy from Flint who uh, also played in the Farmers Insurance Open, and he's going to be back on the tour again this week playing in the John Deere on another sponsor's exemption. So that's really exciting. That makes for three Michigan guys in the field this week when you add Brian Stewart and Ryan Brem. Um, and I just have to remark, like I'm a, I'm this, I preach this by the drift thing all the time and looking for value. And I did not practice what I preached this week because when I opened my sports book app before the podcast last week, the one name that stood out most to me as a complete misprice was Cam Davis. He was priced at 120 to one around players. He has no business being priced around. He should be 120 to one to win like the Memorial. Maybe. I don't even think he was 120 to one. Now he got bet down to 90 by the time I opened it up again the next day, but I still, that's still drift. That's still way too high quality for the number. And there's four par fives on this golf course. And I said, you could look at par five score. And what did he do? He eagled 17 from out of the greenside bunker to help get into the playoff. That was a huge mistake, not having an outright ticket. I did have a top 20 ticket and it paid great odds and it was all well and good. But watching that thing unfold was almost like living in a nightmare because he was a player that I had sort of highlighted and spotlighted and couldn't pull the trigger on. So lesson learned. I don't really see anybody in this field that fits this description. You don't get those kind of opportunities all the time, but you know, it, it was an okay week because I Kisner and Cam Davis both hit my top 20 tickets and, uh, I think there was one other in there that I'm forgetting. And I had decent sweats on Kiz and Kirk, but those guys just couldn't make enough birdies, particularly on the back nine over the weekend. So, mm-hmm. but that is, a, that was a miss. That one, it really, really stung. I was glad I was at a 4th of July party. Cause if I had been at home in Chicago and I would have been just, I would have been getting into the Brown a little earlier on in the day. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, Everyone, everyone makes mistakes. Period. Don't, 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 don't let yourself get beat up about it. All right, you want to talk about the John Deere? I do. I do want to talk about the John Deere. Well, actually, I really want to talk about because the, the John Deere, poor John Deere, get, getting kind of screwed by the Scottish Open a little bit. the The difference in fields between these two events is staggering. <laughs> staggering. We have only five guys here in the top fifty of the OWGR. Yeah, yeah. and I think one of them's Hudson Swafford. Have you looked at the have you looked at the Scottish Open board? It's stacked. Absolutely stacked. Unbelievable. But we're not gonna preview that. Because uh, this is the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, and that's on the other side of the world. Okay, well, I will quickly say before I'm gonna contradict <laughs> I'm gonna contradict what you just said. Um, because I am gonna give you a bet from the other side of the world. Can I, you tell how much prep we do for this podcast? We really speak for speak for yourself. I I I uh <laughs> I am putting a hefty amount of money I, i'm back on outrights victor hovland oh. i am on victor hovland heavy oh, for the, for the, for the here open. we go here I, we go 29 to 1 heavy i love it i love the number he is he's due he's gonna win one and it's gonna be this one he's taking the you week off stay, you better stay on him for next week then because you're probably gonna get a better number than 29 no i'm no no he is no he's not playing the scottish open taking the week off 
Family time. They get to get a little getting a little reset button, and then he's gonna go win the open. Oh, you bet him for the open at twenty nine. Don't tell me that's too short. I don't want to hear it. Don't give me that. Don't give me that look. He's that's gonna win. Somewhat fair. Yeah, no, it's fair. 29 to one. I bet Patrick Reed at forty. Does that make you feel worse about your twenty nine? No, because Patrick Reed sucks. <laughs> On that side of the world, maybe. Do we know that? I don't have any stats to back that up, but I, I don't know his open championship history. In Can this current argument, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say he does. Okay, well, I did I did I do have some other bets for the open. Let's talk about uh, the John, let's talk about the John Deere. You want to stick to the John Deere now? <laughs> yeah, because Rob. Now you want to go? Yeah, because right. Rob Bolton is giving uh, giving Brian Harmon the best. He's he he is Brian Harmon is number one ranked on the power rankings this week. This which, has to be the week for him, huh? You would he's think so. Win this year, yeah, I, I mean, he's one of the guys to. that I bet. I bet him next week. Oh, you at a hundred? Next, you bet him at the open. Yeah. He's sixteen to one this week at the Deer. He's a hundred to one at the Open Championship. Well, I, mean, I might still take the sixteen to one, but I thought the hundred and one hundred to one was fair. And he gave me some more belief after he played so well at the U.S. Open. It proved me wrong that the course was too long or the conditions are too tough. He's such a grinder. Like I love his game. Oh yeah, and he's just hot. This can be so. I I I, I like it. I think he's just riding the hot form. So. I definitely I consider him the favorite this week over Daniel Berger, even though Berger's the uh, odds-on favorite at ten to one. This golf course loves to have the same guys win multiple times. Stricker's won here three times, right? And Spieth at least twice. Um, speaking of former winners, last edition, which was two years ago, was won by Dylan Fratelli. The year before that, Michael Kim, who you probably don't know and don't remember because I think that remains his only top 10 in his PGA Tour career, won by seven strokes at 201. And then the year before that, Bryson uh, won this tournament. He beat Pat Rogers, who has a good history here, by one. Um, Speaking of course history, I'll just quickly give this to you. These are the leaders over the years. Oh, Zach Johnson, I think, is also a multiple-time winner here. I didn't mention him. These are the guys who are best. Uh, just one win, actually. One win. The best yeah. history over the past five editions, just ranked from top to bottom. Zach Johnson, Johnson Wagner, Ryan Moore, who's won here in 2016, I think. Andrew Landry, who has two top tens. Scott Stallings plays pretty well here. Uh, then there's Harmon. Uh, ben Martin was second back in 2016. Pat Rogers, I mentioned, has good history here. Vaughn Taylor, Scott Brown, Bronson Burgoon, Steve Stricker. What do all these guys do well? With the possible exception of probably Ryan Moore. They can putt. So this is Western Illinois, Silvis, Illinois, Ag country, corn country. There's a reason it's called the John Deere, and this is TPC Deer Run. I've been to this golf course. Um, Are you it's going? Nice TPC, nice TPC Parkland style. It's short. It's 7,200 yards. It's par 71. All three of the fives are reachable, and then they throw in a reachable par four on the back nine. That's the 14th straight down the hill. 
it has more elevation change than you'll notice uh, in watching it on TV. But it, sh- it has this interesting combination kind of similar to the Travelers and another TPC that the fairways are generous and the golf course is short. So you're going to see a higher percentage of guys hitting the fairway here than the average tour event. Uh, and you're also going to see guys use their driver more often on shorter holes because there's just not a whole lot of penal stuff out there. You're along, you're near the Rock River, but you're not really on the banks of it. You're not, you know, water comes into play on the par 316th if you really tug it left. Um, there's a hazard there that goes down into the river. You may remember, I think one of people's favorite memories from this golf tournament is the boat horn going off when Zach Johnson was putting on the 16th, (laughs) when you can see the river in the background, that's one of the only times you really notice that that's a feature of the, of the property while you're out there. But, um, it's, this thing's wide open. It's, it's who's ever hitting their irons and their, uh, and, and making putts you have to give yourself a lot of chances and then you have to take advantage. You know, it's a, it's a birdie fest even more so than what the rocket mortgage was last week. So, you know, who's going to be hot with the irons. Who's going to be hot with the putters. You can understand why somebody like Brian Harmon, given his form and the weakness of the field is 16 to one, because he has great history. And that obviously fits uh, his style cut has been between one and three under since 2004. So that gives you an idea of, you know, the lead after two days will be in the 13 to 14, 12 to 13 under range, probably. So, um, you expect 25 to win it? Probably low 20s. Yeah. Probably low 20s, I would say. I like these events. I think that when they're wide open, it's more fun for, uh, on the gambling side. So, it's funny you said that. I think that either goes either way. Either want you got guys that are fans that would prefer these players have an absolutely miserable time out there and, and barely scrape around even par round, or you you got the fans that just want to see an absolute birdie fest. So I think there's positives, positives and negatives to both for sure. Okay, so my phone died, which is terrific for ten thirty on a work day. Do you have the odds? Can you run through the odds board? Do you have it? I do, yes. Because I think I can recite it from memory, which is dangerous, but all right, we'll just do the we'll do, we'll do everything uh everything plus one hundred and below, starting with Daniel Berger at plus nine fifty, Brian Harmon at plus fifteen hundred, Sung Jay at plus seventeen hundred, Russell Henley at plus seventeen. Kevin Shreelman at plus 19, Siwoo Kim at plus 28, Cameron Davis at plus 28, Alex Noren at plus 31, Seamus Power at plus 31, Maverick McNeely at plus 35, Aaron Wise at plus 35, Jonathan Vegas at plus 36, Doc Redman at plus 36, at 30, plus 39, Steve Stricker, Patton Kazire at plus 43, along with Zach Johnson, Troy Merritt, Hank Laboda. Ryan Moore, Kevin Nog, Doug Gim, and then we go all the way up to plus 6,000 where we find Harold Varner, Kyle Stanley, Lucas Glover. At plus 6,500, we got Sepp Straka, Scott Stallings, and then at plus 7,000, we got Bo Hosler, uh, 
plus 8,000. We have Luke List, Sebastian Munoz, uh, Scott Piercy, Ches Reeve, uh, Richie Wernowski, JT Poston, Ryan Armour, Dylan Fratelli, Pat Perez, uh, Kramer Hick- Hickok. This is really fun for me. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Charles Howell, uh, Tom Lewis, Patrick Rogers, Roger. So Patrick Rogers was the last one at plus 8,000. And then to round it out, we got two guys at plus 9,500, Roger Sloan and Bryce Garnett. So there so is did, your odds board. Did you, I know you were just had to trot over, uh, over um, Hovland at the open championship. Were you had to trot over anybody on this board that you saw popping out at you? No, you mentioned you like you like events like this. The events like this, I my brain gets put in a blunder in events like this. I, I don't I see this I see this tournament and I go I, I I see all these names and I go, eh, all these guys could shoot four sixty fives like really easily on this golf course and they could all easily win this, but they could also all easily shoot seventy five over two days and both can miss the cut. Like there's, there's no, there's no, um, there are some like, there's no outrights, definitely no outrights. I see that I go, holy boy, I have, I have to have that. I think you could, I think you could sneak into the, to the top forty range where you have like guys like uh, Doc Redman are, are there at minus one hundred five to top forty. Doc's been playing well. Uh, I'm trying to see like Sepp Straka. I'm not sure what his history is on on this course, but he's plus one twenty to top forty as well. So you might be able to find some of those odds. Steve Stricker is, is minus 135 to top 40. I would be curious to see what that top 30 number is. He just won a senior event within the last two weeks, three weeks. And it's been, yeah, he's been playing some decent golf. And take, taking a break ever since. Uh, Great history here. Zach, Zach Johnson, another guy, is minus 120. You just worry if he can maintain over, over four days. But <clears throat> that's that's where my, my head will be leaning. Like Bo Hosler is plus 125 to top 40. Very good chance Bo Hosler goes out and shoots 78-78. Missed the cut by 20. But on the flip side, plus 125 is possible. I have to take a bathroom break, dude. I can't can't wait any longer. I can't hold it. Just hang on a second. (laughs) Highly professional. Yep. You still with me? Oh, yeah. I'm still here. (laughs) Still here. (laughs) Sorry. No, no. I... I, uh, I, I have the smallest bladder, I think, I've, for anybody I know, so I, I can't possibly be mad at you for having to go to the bathroom. I mean, I like your Bo Hostler pick because Bo Hostler is basically like Jimmy Walker. You know, he struggles off the tee. You can you can try to find guys here who you think can really sort of like longer, tighter courses are not their jam. They can get away with being crooked with the driver here because you don't have to use the driver that often. On the flip side of that, you can your driver can be a weapon here because – um, you can make eagles on the par fives and you can make eagle on 14, the drivable four, but um, you don't have to play this golf course this that way. You can be Brian Armour or you can be Bo Hassler and hit three wood off the tee or whatever it is. Um, I'd be curious, like guys like Dylan Fratelli, the, the defending champion of this event is plus 135 to top 40. I don't know. Dylan had a little stretch there. He was playing some decent golf. I'm not sure where how he has been playing over the last shorter period of time, maybe two weeks or so, but um, obviously he, he knows how to play well at this golf course. So see that at plus 135, like JT Poston at plus 130. Um, 
there are some there actually are some bets I'm starting to like here. I thought I thought JT Poston really stuck out as just being a higher quality player. Um not a Congre. No, no, certainly not. Not when I'm on him. But he did stand out as being, and I'll get to my favorite picks here in a minute, but you guys may be interested in, to know this because you're just talking about I don't know how guys are playing. If you wanted to ride for him and you're just looking at the guys who are literally just playing the best the last 20, these are your leaders in strokes gain total the last 24 rounds in this field. And I'm going to finish this list with a guy who's one of my favorite plays this week. Hank Lebiota is leading this field in strokes gained the last 24 rounds. Daniel Berger second. Alex Norn is third. He's really short this week at 28, but you're just going to, you know, everybody's short. Harmon is fourth. Streelman is fifth. Seamus Power, playing unbelievable right now, is sixth. Uh, Troy Merritt, seventh. Pat Perez, eighth. Aaron Wise, ninth, who I think is really interesting this week at 40 to one. And then one of my favorite plays this week, finishing positions, Kyle Stanley, 10th in this field in strokes gain total. Very good with the short irons, very straight off the tee. Not a guy known for making a ton of putts, but he did also show up on that course history list, which shows me that he either likes bent grass or he likes the greens here, but that enough familiarity and success on this golf course to, um, uh, 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 overcome that. I have bet him to top 40 and top 30, both of which are plus odds. The other guy that I really like, and I hesitate to give this out because you guys are going to think I'm just insane. Um, I bet him to win at 125 to one, even though I thought it was a little short. He is about 16th or 16th on the list I just mentioned in terms of strokes gained total. Last 24 rounds. Winner on another really short course on the PGA Tour, but maybe the only one of the only other courses on tour that's actually going to play shorter than this. Uh, that is Satoshi Kodaira. I have bet Satoshi to win with an each way to place. I have bet him to top 30 and I have bet him to top 40. So I am invested in Satoshi Kodaira. I love him on short golf courses i think the form is great and i want to ride him while he's on his heater hopefully he keeps it going for another for another week here he's been playing some pretty decent golf so no top no top 20 on him that's a little i i I didn't want to be overexposed to one player hunter wouldn't want that we've talked about that in the past we wouldn't and i would i would be remiss i think in not pointing out Really good players do win here. And the best player in this field probably is not actually the odds on favorite. So if you're looking for just the straight value play on an outright, I think the answer is Sung JM. Yeah, I was just thinking that actually. I know the form has really been iffy, but let's be honest long form, world golf ranking, just how, you know. Berger's a great player too, but for my money, Sung JM is the best player in this field. He showed a little bit of life last week. You know, none of us can be surprised if he goes out 
and wins this golf tournament. So if you're just looking at, eh, I'm going to throw five on one guy who I think is the best player and the best value pick. I know it's shorter odds than you had to play him at almost any other week all year, but don't be surprised if that comes true. I think it's uh I think it's worth mentioning that it's, it's been an hour and three minutes of this podcast and you haven't mentioned Siwoo Kim once. Are you, you know, are you no longer Siwoo Kim fan? That, what do I get? Uh, you get do tw- I get a medal? You get uh, you get a medal and you get 28 to 1. Yeah, I love Siwoo. Um, you love him this really week. Or he's like, not playing. Really bummed he's not playing in the Open Championship because I was going to bet him there. Is he, but, is he not playing because of COVID reasons? No, no, they him both him and Sung Jae are not playing because they're try, they're focusing on the Olympics, which does require early arrival, COVID protocols, etc. Because mm-hmm. one way to be exempted from South Korea's mandatory military service is to medal in an Olympic event. We talked about this before, but like if I'm, I know you're playing for your country, and if but if I'm another country, if I'm like if I'm Justin Thomas and I'm on 18, I'm playing with Sung Jae. Yeah. I'm looking over at Sung Jae, you know, I'm like giving him a wink, like I'm making a bogey here for you guy. Like you're not, I'm not making you go serve in the military. Well, John Rahm said that very thing in an interview weeks ago. It was, that was such a funny, I think we talked about that on this pod. That was such a funny exchange, but somebody asked him about it. Had to be a South Korean reporter or an Olympics reporter or something. And she, he said, wait, is that a real question? And then he was like, yeah, yeah. If that's a real thing, then we can definitely make arrangements. Oh Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think yeah. it's obviously important for them to win for their country, but they, I think they, they might see the bigger picture in that situation. Well, and I've heard other people talk about this, and they're like, well, yeah, well, think about the financial impact of, you know, losing two years on tour. And I'm thinking, don't take, for, don't assume that after two years of mandatory military service, that they're going to go back on the golf course and start shooting 65s again. No, I mean, I think, uh, um, not Sung Moon Bay. It might have been Sung. I mean, Sung Moon was not the best example. There was another guy that was another South Korean player that I thought was actually very poised for success. And then he had to go do his two years and he came back and it wasn't really, he wasn't nearly as competitive as what he once was. It, so, it's, it's, a, it's a long time. Yeah. It's yeah. a long time. Can you imagine I pick up a club for two months or two years? I'm sure they can pick up a club, but. To sounds, not play competitively. Sounds fantastic. Sounds relaxing. Are you looking to buy a set? Um, no, I don't think so, man. I, I have a brand new putter and a sandwich. Maybe I'll just give them to you. <laughs> um, all right, I think that's it. We'll talk to you guys next week for full Open Championship preview. And, of course, set aside some time for the always exciting Barbasol championship maybe we should get Stako on he can tell us all about the barbasol oh there's an idea yeah he just played he just played that golf course always entertaining so maybe that's a good idea perfect all right best of luck thanks honor yep see ya